Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Prairie and Smith podcast. August is almost over, which means one thing. The return of Sunbelt football is right around the corner. Before we get to today's episode, we wanted to tell you about our last. It was the 12th in our season preview series. Caden, we're rounding the home stretch on this series. We spoke with Georgia State head coach Sean Elliott about the upcoming season for the Georgia State Panthers. If you missed it or any of our season preview episodes, we've recorded nearly 10 hours already. Make sure to go back and give them a listen. Today on episode 108 of the show, we're excited to be continuing our season preview series. This time, we're talking the Old Dominion Monarchs and head coach Ricky Ronnie. This Monarchs team, a season ago, they finished 3-9. and nine. There was some shocking wins against Virginia Tech. They took down Coastal as well down in Conway. Caden, but you lost a lot of pieces in the transfer portal. You lose your starting quarterback. Uh, you lose your starting running back. Ollie Jennings, who was arguably the best wide receiver in the conference, is gone as well. A lot of new pieces, new offensive system. Caden, how are you feeling about the overall state of this Old Dominion program ahead of the season? I think it's definitely a tale of two sides of the ball. We'll get more into their defense later in this episode, but I do think there's some promise there. and They showed some promise last year, headed up by Jason Henderson in the middle of that defense. But you mentioned on offense, it's never ideal to lose your top passer, your top rusher, and your top receiver from the portal. So they obviously have to fix those things. And they also seem like they're fixing that with a new offensive scheme. So we'll get more into the weeds of how we think that scheme's going to play out with their personnel. But I think on their defense, they're going to have a lot more to rely on versus their offense this season, which have, has a little bit more question marks, which kind of makes it hard to have a pulse on if this team can improve, especially in a tough Sunbelt East. Okay, and I had, a thought, I had not thought about it until just this moment, but kind of a similar story over in Harrisonburg. You lose your quarterback, your running back, your wide receiver, but I like the depth there better. That's kind of the caveat. Well, as promised, we're talking Old Dominion football. Ricky Ronnie is here. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to hear from Coach Ronnie. We're excited to welcome Old Dominion head coach Ricky Ronnie to the Frary and Smith podcast for the first time. Ricky, thanks for taking some time out of your schedule to join us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Well, I know fall camp is just wrapped up for you guys, but let's look back to summer. You and your staff, you guys were running camps. You're busy recruiting. You spent a lot of time with your family, I'm sure. How did you use that downtime during the offseason? Well, we always had this plan this way, but my family, my, my wife and my two boys, we um, had planned on being able to see every major league ballpark. Uh, by this year, my son's uh, going in the eighth grade, so we knew next year he'd be in high school sports and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, we finished up this year. We did uh, Oakland, uh, San Francisco, and Seattle, um, which was awesome. So we've seen – we've actually seen 31 major league parks because we saw Atlanta twice because uh, they built a new stadium on us in the middle of it. So um, so that was great. And then we also, uh, we also took a trip to Alaska. So um, I'm trying to – see all 50 states. So now I'll, all I have is um, Idaho and Maine left. Um, I actually, I'm going to go back to Montana because I'd like every other state, every other of those states, I've uh, laid my head down and actually slept. So I'd actually like to do that there so I can say that. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's what we did. They were both uh, unbelievable trips. It was great. Well, sounds like a busy summer. And I have to imagine you were one of the few Oakland Athletic fans uh, in the stands this summer, right? <laughs> I think uh, I, I looked back. We were at uh, like the fourth most uh, highly attended game. It was run the bases day. Um, so I like literally I think every single human being who was there ran the bases. I know it's only supposed to be the kids, but 
I think my wife and I were the only two adults who didn't run the bases. Um, it was, uh, but it was, it was actually, I bet there was 20 some thousand people there. It was, uh, I was, I was surprised. Um, but they were incredibly nice people. The stadium is a mess and it, they do need a new one desperately. Um, but the people there were unbelievable. So I'm hoping, uh, maybe something happens and they don't lose it, but if they do lose the team, I've already told my boys I'm going to wait till they're 21. We'll, we'll finish uh, the Vegas part of that once they're a little bit older and can enjoy it a little bit more. Well, that's some good stuff, Coach. Pivoting to the football season, this team finished 3-9 and nine last season. I have to imagine that was disappointing considering the, moment, the momentum this team built in 2021. It's been an offseason of wholesale and a lot of changes in a lot of different areas. What's been this team's mindset heading into the fall, and what are your expectations kind of collectively as a unit for the squad? Well, I mean, obviously we have some guys on our team who – um, we're part of both the 2021 and 2022 teams. Um, and, and those guys, you know, know what it takes and what, what is necessary to, in order to, um, have some success. And they've seen maybe why there wasn't success last year, but on the flip side of that, we have a lot of guys who weren't on either team. Um, and so, you know, our, our mindset's been about coming together, um, and, and just building a mentality of, of going one and oh, and, and really, um, you know, trying to play fast and physical and, and I've tried to build more of a mentality of, of player ownership and, and, and that sort of deal and, and being, uh, you know, trying to be as supportive as possible and those sort of things. Uh, but also making sure that we understand that it does need to be um, there needs to be some player ownership if we're going to be as successful as I want to be. Coach Caden mentioned kind of some of the wholesale changes that we saw this offseason, and none was probably bigger than bringing in offensive coordinator Kevin Decker, who brings kind of that up-tempo offensive attack, kind of a Josh Heupel-esque offensive attack to the table. How has that transition in scheme kind of fared for your offense over the offseason, and what should we expect from that new-look attack this year? Yeah, I mean, I think the guys really bought in. I think one of the things that uh, Coach Decker brings is um, a great amount of confidence and in his system and his scheme um, and that confidence, you know, rubs off on the rest of the guys. It, it, there's a lot of uh, um, decisions that need to be made, you know, on each and every play. And uh, we just want the guys to go out there and make those with as much speed and, and uh, confidence as they possibly can. So I've been really happy with where we are on offense. I think uh, we've, we've been throwing the ball better, but we've really been running the ball better too. I think that's probably a often overlooked part of, of this scheme is, you know, running the ball and running the ball successfully and, 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 uh, running it often. So I think that that's something that, uh, we've done a nice job on. And, and so I, I, I can, I'm looking forward to being able to continue that throughout the year and, and watching us, you know, get more comfortable with, you know, maybe some of the in-game decisions, uh, as, as coach deck goes. Definitely excited to watch you guys run the rock this year, but you recently named Grant Wilson as the team's starting quarterback and he'll be throwing the rock for you guys. He joined the team from Fordham this offseason, along with Coach Decker. How much did his prior knowledge of this offense help him in that competition, and what is he going to bring to the table under center for you guys this year? I mean, I do think it helped. Uh, we There's been some changes to the system a little bit, um, probably things that you know Coach Deck wanted to do for the last couple of years, but they'd had some success and didn't want to mess with it too much. Um, so, you know, Grant, some of it's a little bit different than Grant um, maybe had in the past. And then he didn't have a whole lot of experience with our wide receivers and our players, right? So, uh, it probably evened out in terms of um, his experience with the system as opposed to the other guy's experience with the certain wideouts and all those sort of things. Um, obviously, I think it probably it helped him feel a little bit more comfortable just because he's already trying to learn the guys. So to learn a whole new system and learn all the guys would have been would have been difficult. Um, 
but he, you know, he's done a nice job of, of meshing with the guys for sure. Coach, a moment ago, you kind of talked about, you know, running the football and obviously this offensive attack has been kind of known for, you know, throwing the football under Kevin Decker. What would be, you know, a, a good split in terms of pass to run and, and talk to about Kadarius Callaway. We've heard a lot of good things about him this offseason. Well, I don't have really a number that I would like to see on running the ball. I mean, we've got to be able to run the ball when um, it's there and available to us. And then there's other times we have to be able to run the ball to, to finish out games and score touchdowns and do those sort of things. So I don't think it's necessarily a run split. But if you look at, really look at the numbers from the last couple of years, even in Fordham, um, yes, they threw for um, an ungodly amount of yards, but they also they ran the ball really, really successfully. I mean, it's not like the, the running – attack was secondary. I mean, it was, it was still primary at that point as well. Um, so, you know, in terms of running back position, I think we have a lot of depth there. I think it's a position that's still going to be a little bit uh, by committee. Um, there's, you know, and I think that that's a good thing. We're going to be able to keep guys fresh. we got to make sure that we get them in a rhythm. Um, and I think that's the biggest challenge for our running back coach, coach Lucas and coach Decker. But, you know, we do have some options to be able to put in there some guys who maybe have different styles, which I also think is, is going to be a good thing that um, they do all run a little bit different. Um, so that's going to be a little bit of a challenge for opposing defenses. Yeah, I think it's so interesting because you think about some of the eye candy that is the passing game, but even you look at a Texas State where, you know, their coaching staff last year, I think they ran it 51% of the time despite putting up all those good numbers on offense. Coach, you guys lose a major target in Ollie Jennings, who had an outstanding nationally you know, recognized season last year. But it really does sound like Javon Harvey could be the next in line to kind of take over that role this season. He's a smaller body, primarily works out of the slot. What similarities do you see in his game to maybe what Ali brought to the table? And then where can he provide something completely different to this team? Well, I think once again, it comes a little bit down to depth. And I think we're going to spread the ball around. You know, I mean, I think when you look at what I've seen uh, so far in the spring and, and into uh, this training camp, the ball's going to go where the ball is supposed to go. It's not going to be forced or anywhere like that. So that's going to give us uh, more depth. Everyone's going to feel like they're part of it. Um, and, and we have a number of wide receivers that I think can make an impact, you know? And so I think that that's going to help everybody get kind of loose and, and um, create more explosive plays and that sort of thing. I think, you know, uh, over the past couple of years, there's been times where, um, you know, we've kind of manipulated it and got the ball to certain guys um, because we thought that they were our best chance to make plays, you know. So this, the way we have it set up right now, there's going to be a bunch of different guys making plays, and I think that's going to make uh, the offense harder to stop. Pivoting sides of the ball here, Coach, I thought it was really interesting. Your team was last in the nation of time of, time of possession last year, which means your defense was on the field more than anyone else. And right in front of you guys in those rankings was Tennessee as a result of their offensive scheme. And it's a scheme that now you'll similarly be running this year. How much responsibility or maybe even stress would you say is going to be on this defensive unit, given some of the offensive changes and how it was last year? Well, I think sometimes, you know, you look at it, um, you know, time of possession is a stat that is important, but probably not as much as it used to be. I mean, you know, I, I, I remember, you know, in 2016, um, when I was part of the conference championship team, our time of possession was in the hundreds. I mean, you know what I mean? So, uh, but, you know, you look at those, some of those other teams, you know, if you score in two plays in, in 25 seconds, I don't, I don't think our defense is going to be upset with that. You know, um, if you also look at last year, I, our offense did not, uh, wasn't successful enough on third down, which was a problem. 
but our defense needs to be more successful on third down too. You know, time of possession is, is a stat that is for both, for both, right? I mean, um, defense has got to get off the field and, and ultimately when you don't get off the field, um, it tires you down and later in the season, later in games, you can have some problems. So I think that, you know, it, it's both the offense and the defense. Uh, I've got to pick up their part on that end of it. Um, but I'm not going to look at time of possession each and every week and say, okay, this is uh, something we've, you know, we've got to win. We've got to be at 34 minutes and they've got to be at 26 or anything like that. I, that's not what, I, that's not where I think you look at it. There's, there's some other different metrics that I think are, are a little bit more important. What are those metrics that you pay most attention to coach on defense? Yeah. I mean, I do. I've, I've turned as the head coach, I probably turned to a lot more of team metrics, you know, um, turnover margin is, is, is still critical and always will be um, the rushing battle. You know, who rushes for more yards, I think, is, is absolutely critical. Um, and then, you know, a couple other ones, you know, red zone touchdown percentage on either side is, is I think, critical. You know, I mean, we always used to look at red zone percentage and then somebody could be at 99 percent because they have a knock dead field goal kicker. But does that mean that they're really a great red zone team? So, um, you know, I think it's red zone touchdown percentage is, is another one. And on defense, you know, you've got to be able to create enough. Um, chaos in, in terms of sacks and TFLs. If you look at the Sunbelt Conference, one of the really big indicators of wins and losses throughout the conference over the last five years has been sack margin. Um, and, and that's been something that's been critical, partially because the great teams in this conference have run the ball really well. And obviously that's going to eliminate some sacks, um, but also just because you got to be able to get to the guys on third down and it helps you in the red zone, knock people out of field goal range or out of, you know, more importantly, like I said, touchdown. Well, coach, that was really just the perfect transition because when I look at this team last year, they, you know, at times you guys struggled to stop the run, but you were really effective at getting to quarterbacks. You guys were one of six teams with 30 sacks uh, last season. When looking at your front seven this year, who are some players that you see kind of helping increase that run-stopping ability and building on that pass-rushing prowess that we saw last fall? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, um, it begins with Jason Henderson. I mean, obviously, he, he's been a big-time player for us and you know, led the country in tackles last year. Um, I've told him, and, and I, I stand by this, I, I still don't think he should have as many tackles this year as he did last year. Um, but that's from getting off the field on third down, right? Less plays and, and our offense being more efficient. So just he should have less opportunities, quite frankly. Um, you know, in that front seven, I think EJ Green, another linebacker, um, has had a really good camp for us. Uh, Wayne Matthews, another linebacker who's had a, a tremendous camp for us, made a bunch of plays. You know, up front, I think we just have a lot of depth. Um, Denzel Lowry, I think, has is, is shown that he's going to be a, a, a good player for us. Um, Jaleel Taylor has shown he, he's, he's going to make, as a transfer, going to make an impact. You know, Maury Morrison was out almost all of last year, but uh, he's back stronger and bigger than ever. So really like, like where he's at. Um, you know, Devin Brandt has proven to be a really good player, um, really stout player and, and very versatile. Um, you know, I mean, you got other transfers like Cole Daniels. Um, you know, so you, you've got some guys. Um, who I think I think we can go almost, you know, nine deep at the line that, that's really going to help us be able to stop the run because we're going to be, you know, more fresh. 
You mentioned Jason Henderson, coach. He's a guy we've thankfully been able to talk to twice on this podcast now. Everyone's familiar with his contributions and production on the field and his value to this defense. Could you maybe tell us something that people might not know about Jason Henderson as he looks to follow up that historic season he had from a year ago? I think the thing, I mean, when you look at him, it's his tenacity and, and running to the ball. I mean, that's something that you you, you try to coach, um, but the way, the level he takes it to, you don't you can't really coach that. You know, and he does such a great job. You know, I think his wrestling background helps in terms of how many tackles he makes compared to how many he misses. Right. I mean, if he gets his hands on you, you're probably going down on the ground. Um, but I think the thing when you look at it the most is, I mean, he just doesn't like to come out of practices. He doesn't like to come out of games. He doesn't like to come out of anything. I mean, he wants to be out there all the time. Um, and I think that, you know, that that type of motor is something that kind of the rest of the defense can feed off of. Yeah, I'm sure uh, those games at the end of the year when he was a little bit injured and chasing that record, it was probably pretty hard to to keep him out of those football games, Coach. Uh, your secondaries, you know, take some big losses. Your hard-hitting safety, Artarian Johnson, is gone along with some starting cornerbacks, Tobias Harris and Trey Hawkins, who's now with Caden's uh, New York Giants. Who are some new faces in this secondary that you think are going to have huge impacts this year? Well, I think we have more depth at corner. Uh, than we maybe ever have had before. Nolan Johnson has come in as a transfer, and, and I'm really excited about the way he's playing right now. He's played a bunch of football in his career and, and excited where he's at. Uh, Lamarion James has really continued to evolve um, each and every year, and I think this is going to be one of his breakout years. You know, um, you know, Rashid Reason is is a guy who uh, we got from junior college that we think can, you know, is another starter like quality. We have some guys that were here that I think are, are getting ready to go. You know, Keandre Harris has really developed into a guy we can count on. Um, you know, Jacarion Lathan is another guy that that we know that we can we can look at and we can count on. You know, so as you start to look at this sort of stuff, our corners are have a lot more depth. In the past, we've really only played two, maybe three. So the fact that we can play four, five, and maybe even six at times is really going to be helpful. Um, you know, and then in the safety room, you know, having Sean Asbury, you know, he played a little bit at the end of last year, and we think he's going to be one of the uh, – he's going to be a really big-time player for us. Having Terry Jones healthy and back, I mean, he's played a lot of football for us and is one of our captains, so we, we were excited about him. And then, you know, we're a three-safety system, and, and Tajel, you know, over there playing that kind of nickel um, hybrid thing. I think he's done – he's really made a, an impact, especially – last four or five practices I've seen him kind of take his game to another level so I, I like where we're at in the secondary um, we've got to make sure that we continue to develop some other guys uh, at the, in the safety room but I think we have some guys that are ready to go they just probably don't have as much experience as maybe we'd like well and with this coach your team kicks off the season in just five days when you face Virginia Tech and Blacksburg a matchup from a fantastic game that y'all played in last season what is your message to this old Dominion Monarchs fan base and why should they come support this team this year? Yeah, I just think it's a team that uh, they're really going to enjoy watching. Uh, Players a bunch of effort. They've got a great personality with them. They play for each other, um, and I think it's it, it kind of uh, exemplifies what this community is all about. You know, tough and rugged and and together. You know, and that's what the seven five seven is all about. You know, seven five seven is going to stick together, and 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 we've got an edge to us, and and so does our team. So I think it's a it's a great. Uh, opportunity to come out and, and support we've got a great home schedule obviously that first one for us is is you know the most important one for us right now we're always going to think about one and oh and and getting the opportunity to go up to blacksburg and, and play in front of a great environment um, play a great football team 
is, is, you know, that's an opportunity for our team and we know it. And so uh, we're looking forward to it. Well, coach, we certainly appreciate your time today. Wishing you and uh, your team the best of luck as you guys get the season started later this week. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a, you know, night game in uh, Lane Stadium. There's nothing better than that. So we're looking forward to it. Jaden, we welcomed another head coach to the podcast. We're now 13 head coaches down. All we've got left is Butch Jones. And talking with Ricky Ronnie, I think he feels good, and I do as well, that we might see some improvement on offense this year. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of belief and excitement around that offense from him and from players like Javon Harvey and Jason Henderson, who we spoke to at Media Days. That's a guy who's going to be a big part of the offense in Javon and Jason Henderson, who obviously is a big part of defending that offense this entire offseason. So there's obviously promise coming out of their side of it. The question is going to be, can it be put into fruition? I think it's very similar to what we're hearing from Texas State as far as their massive overhaul and their massive change in scheme. The question is going to be, can they do that with maybe some pieces that they already had in the past? They don't have as many new pieces as far as from the transfer portal. It's more about developing their guys within their program and having to teach them a new scheme. So I think a lot of it's going to come down to the coaching this year and the execution. But I'm excited to watch this team in their first game for sure when they roll out that new offensive staff and that new offensive scheme. Hey, it's certainly going to be fascinating. And Kane, this ODU team, they finished last season with a 3-9 and nine record in the second season under Ricky Ronnie in charge. They failed to build on that strong finish. You remember they won five games in a row to end that 2021 season, but they weren't able to carry that momentum over. Okay, and they scored some big wins last year. I mentioned it earlier on in this episode. You take down Coastal Carolina on the road. You beat Virginia Tech at home. There's a lot of changes to not only this roster makeup, but also the scheme. Caden, they dipped heavily into the transfer portal to kind of replace some of those pieces. They're also going to really lean into their depth to plug some of those holes. Are you buying what you're seeing from this Monarchs team ahead of the year? I think I'm buying what they're hearing out of what I'm hearing out of their corner. But then when you look into their schedule and their matchups, it's just hard to see that massive overhaul and that massive turnaround being super effective and potent and resulting in wins. When you just look at having to face week after week, these Eastern opponents, along with some of their tough non-conference games, I think they have their mind in the right place. They have kind of the right direction and synergy going. It's just going to be tough to see that result in wins and losses. I think when you look at this team, it's not going to be the kind of team where we see a ton of improvement, I think, in the win-loss category. The question is going to be, can they maybe lower that margin or shrink that margin of victory and losses for them? I think when you looked at this defense, they had some very stellar games where they took some of the best offenses we've seen in the conference and held them to a low amount of points, but maybe the offense wasn't able to uphold their end of the bargain and vice versa. I think the question is going to be, can they play more complementary football with this new scheme and some new faces? And can that maybe result in them bridging that gap that they had last season from some of the other top teams in the, in the league? Yeah, Caden, six losses last year by double-digit points. So you have to imagine you want to make those games a little bit closer this season, give yourself a chance in the fourth quarter. Uh, But Caden, when you look at this offense, I think that's where perhaps this team could take a step forward this year. You scored 19.5 points per game a season ago. That came after averaging nearly 28 during that 6-7 and season back in 2021. Kane, I don't think it got talked about enough, but you lost your offensive coordinator three weeks before the season. That's a huge loss for any team. This year, though, they're going to have some continuity at that position. You bring in the offensive coordinator, Kevin Decker, from Fordham. He'll be calling the shots. They run a Josh Heupel-esque offense, Caden. It's high octane and could be a lot of fun to watch. Are you buying what's happening up in Norfolk? Are we going to see drastic improvement this season from that offense? 
I don't know if we'll see drastic improvement, but any kind of improvement is going to be a step in the right direction for this offense. This was the worst scoring offense in the league last year. It was the only team in the conference who couldn't get 20 points a game. They only averaged 19 and a half. And I think a lot of that had to do with some of their inefficiencies at the coordinator spot. When you go into the season, it kind of seemed like this team struggled to find their identity early on the season. They wanted to run the ball, but didn't do it a ton. They were, I think they ran the ball the least out of anyone in the conference. They put a lot on Hayden Wolf's plate and Ali Jennings' plate. And then when you lose Ali later in the season and you lose a guy like Zach Koontz earlier in the season, that really takes away a lot out of their passing game. So I think don't look for this offense to all of a sudden be like a Georgia Southern-esque turnaround where you're running a new scheme. It's running as a high, efficient, high motor machine. But I think any type of improvement is going to be great improvement for this team. I think if they can show, maybe they can spread the wealth a little bit more wide receiver, use some of their different running backs and get a quarterback that's a little bit more comfortable and accustomed to this scheme. We'll see improvement out of this unit, but I wouldn't expect them to be some lights out turnaround. And all of a sudden we're talking about Old Dominion being one of the most high powered units in the entire conference. Yeah, Kane, it's a great point you're making because maybe if you try to contrast them with like Texas State where, you know, they're going to a similar style of offensive attack, but Texas State went in and brought in 50 new guys. This is an old Dominion roster that's largely the same, and then you've subtracted some pieces. So probably not as easy to expect a a huge improvement, at least in year one, under Kevin Decker. ODU completely turned over this quarterback position this offseason. Hayden Wolf, last year's starter, entered the transfer portal after spring practice. You have to imagine he kind of saw the writing on the wall that he wasn't going to be the starter this year. They also no longer have Brendan Clark or DJ Mack in that quarterback room. They did bring in Grant Wilson, who was Fordham's backup from a season ago under Kevin Decker, although he only had 13 pass attempts a season ago this offseason. He won the job in fall camp. Kane, he's bringing a ton of knowledge of this system that Kevin Decker runs, but it's you know really light on experience. Is Wilson the right guy for this job, and what are you expecting from him this season? I would call Grant Wilson the biggest mystery of the Sunbelt Conference when you look at the quarterback position. He was obviously a standout player like a lot of these guys were at the high school level, but he did play 6A football in Virginia, which kind of means something and holds a little bit more weight. You mentioned him serving as a backup his first three seasons at Fordham, and he was very efficient despite those limited snaps. He went 10 for 13, 93 yards and two touchdowns, which you have to take that with a grain of salt, obviously. But I think when you look at some of the other battles and situations across the conference, I mean, that is more experience at the college level combined than the Southern Miss quarterbacks that were duking it out, but it's a lot less experienced than guys like Davis Brenner or Jordan McLeod, who have kind of shown you as well at the college level what they're capable of. So I think that kind of adds a big mystique and a big question mark for this guy. He's a big body at six foot three, 217 pounds. Sounds like he knows the offense, which comes with expectations. The question is, can he live up to those expectations and maybe add to that small sample size we saw? I am worried about the depth here. If it doesn't work out for this guy and Grant Wilson, they have a D2 transfer that has a lot of experience, but it's at obviously a lower division and they have a ton of youth behind them. So if stuff goes sideways, I don't think they have a lot of places to turn to. So they're really leaning on and banking on Great Wilson, kind of taking that knowledge from Fordham, being able to implement it in this offense where coach told us there was some different terminology and different things going on, but I'd imagine he's accustomed to the timing and really getting along with those receivers and getting that squared away. So I think it's a giant mystery, a giant question mark. I could see him knowing the system like the back of his hand and running it officially, or maybe having some lumps he takes in the beginning of the season. But regardless, I'm very excited about Grant Wilson in the season for ODU. Yeah, I think that's a great word, Caden, intrigue. And I'm hearing that a a school across the state as well is having a little bit of intrigue with their quarterback battle as well. We won't get into that, though, on this episode. Caden, running back is another spot where Old Dominion suffered a tough loss this offseason. Blake Watson announced that he was entering the transfer portal. 
He ran for 916 yards and five touchdowns a season ago. You probably remember that breakout 259-yard game that helped this Old Dominion team take down Coastal. He's going to be replaced by a mixture of new faces. You've got Tyreek Sims, Obi Sani, and Keyshawn Wicks, uh, who are all expected to get time. But, Caden, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like the star could very well be junior college transfer Kadarius Callaway, who's kind of a bigger running back. He has some good strength, some power. The passing game is going to be the focal point of this ODU offense under Kevin Decker, Caden, but this running back room could really be a key part to an offensive turnaround this year. Yeah, Blake Watson's a big loss, but like you mentioned, it sounds like Kadarius Calloway is going to be their guy. He's by far the biggest guy in this room when it comes to size. He's six foot, 217 pounds, and it sounds like he's a different style or runner than Watson, but it sounds like they're going to be able to double down on that receiving ability. Watson was a guy who had like 30 plus catches last season, and this is a guy who had over a thousand yards receiving and 15 touchdown grabs in his last two years of high school. I know it's high school, but just having that framework and that foundation of being and having those receiver skills is huge. And I think he had three games with three plus catches at the junior college level as well. He has a ton of all purpose potential. He was a great returner. So I think he could do a lot for this offense. And they might ask him to do a lot, especially if their quarterback's having lumps in the beginning and has to maybe hand the ball off a little bit more and check things down a little bit more. But Coach Ronnie thinks he has a deep room and outside of Callaway, they're fully reliant on developed talent within the program. Keyshawn Wicks is a guy who reached that 100-yard mark last season and made the most of his touches. He played well against Arkansas State when Blake Watson was out. OB Sani is another guy, Tariq Sims. Those are two redshirt sophomores that had limited touches and should have an increased role last year by this year. But I do think this is going to be a season where you're going to have your main guy in Kadarius Callaway kind of leading the charge, and then we're going to see how well they've developed these younger running backs who've been in the system in a while. So kind of excited to see how they just distribute the wealth and see how they navigate, especially given the pass-heavy nature of this offense and knowing they want to run the ball possibly a little bit more and sprinkle that in. Kate, this receiver room as well is another area that received some big losses this offseason. Ollie Jennings, you know, who as many remember, was leading the nation in receiving yards midway through last season. He picks up an injury at the end of the year, doesn't get over that 1,000-yard mark, but he's gone. He goes to Virginia Tech. That's going to create some intrigue uh, in week one. And then you also lose Zach Koontz, who was injured a bit last season, but ultimately was a nice piece. He's making noise right now with the New York Jets. Uh, then you look at the players that are still on this roster. You've got Javon Harvey. You've got Jordan Bly. You've got a Marion Granger. All nice pieces at wide receiver. You also bring in Miles Alston from Pitt. Caden, going into the offseason and when you lose those pieces, I was concerned about this room. But we got a chance to talk with Javon Harvey at Media Days. We talked with Ricky Ronnie now. I'm feeling a lot better about this unit than I thought I was going to be. Definitely same. And I think that the year of the slot receiver thing that I coined has a lot to do with Javon Harvey. I think Ali Jennings is obviously a big loss, but this opens things up for Javon and the rest of this receiving core. Coach Ronnie mentioned that they might be spreading the ball a little bit more this season. And I think they have the weapons and pieces to possibly do that. I think this is going to be a receiving core that becomes a big beneficiary this offseason in a change of scheme. Very similar to the guys at Georgia Southern who went from blocking a bunch to all of a sudden catching a, catching a ton of balls. I think this core has the potential to do that as well. But I think when you look at Javon, he still managed to have 200-yard games last season, one with Ali in the lineup and one with him out. He torched App State and had a great game against them. And I expect 
big things from him this year, especially given the scheme. I think there's potential to be kind of what we saw from Jalen Hyatt in Tennessee's offense last year as a speedy slot receiver. I'm not saying he's going to be a, a guy who can score five touchdowns against Alabama like that, but I still think this is going to be a guy that's going to thrive in this scheme for sure and kind of be the tip of the spear of what they do offensively in the pass game. And I think the supporting cast is going to have a lot to do with if he can deliver as well. I think the more attention you can give to other guys, the more room it's going to be for Javon and them. Not having Ali Jennings and Zach Koontz last season, I feel like gave a lot of these guys some experience as far as being more of an increased role and kind of being able to step up. You talked about Jordan Bly and Amari and Granger who returned after both flashing some production last season. And they're going to have to do that alongside Pitt transfer Miles Austin, who didn't have a lot of proven production, but was a big time and pretty highly tied to recruit out of high school. So I think they have the cast of characters who's going to have more volume of catches than they've ever had. The question is going to be, can they make do on them and can they make the most of this golden opportunity as they now have a new offensive scheme that's going to rely on them probably more than they expected to when they were all getting recruited. Hey, Kane, we have heard how much the Georgia Southern wide receivers uh, love the change in scheme. We have to imagine these Old Dominion receivers are licking their chops as well. Real quickly, on offensive line, they're losing three guys. Nick Saldaveri was, you know, an NFL draft choice this year. Kane, you're, you know, you're losing three guys, but that unit wasn't that good last year. So I have to imagine there's a little bit of a, a path forward for them to maybe get better. But Switching sides of the football to talk defense, Caden, this ODU defense wasn't all that bad last year when you actually look at the numbers. They did give up 440 yards per game, but they were able to hold teams to about 26 points per game, which was middle of the road in the conference. One of the big reasons for that was this defensive line. This unit finished with 32 sacks. They caused a lot of havoc. Caden, they're losing guys like Marcus Haynes, Tyree Bibby, Alonzo Ford on that defensive line, but you're getting back Denzel Lowry at defensive tackle, Devin Brandt Epps at defensive end. Both of those guys had three-plus sacks last year, plus they brought in Jaleel Taylor from UNC to help out. This unit does not have that true star, Caden, that you really want to see and that maybe we see from other teams in this conference, but I think the depth's pretty good, and they should see more improvement, particularly against the run this year. Yeah, just speaking on this defense as a whole, it's sneaky one of my favorite defenses from last year simply because of their resilience. I think, as we mentioned before on the podcast, they were on the field more than any other defense in the country just because of time of possession, and they played a lot of Ben don't break football. They gave up the second most yards in the conference with 442 per game, but they finished in the middle of the pack and points allowed per game at 26. They were ahead of App State. They were ahead of Coastal. They were ahead of Georgia State. So this is a unit that showed a lot of promise last year despite having a lot of pressure on them, and I think a lot of that had to do with their production at the defensive line unit. You talked about those big losses. Haynes, Bibby, and Ford combined for 31 starts for them. You don't like seeing that, but Denzel Lowry returned after leading the team in sacks as an interior defensive lineman as a freshman at a monster game against Coastal. I'm not mad about that. Devin Brent Epps returns as well as a great interior lineman that's had a solid season for them and was in the backfield quite a bit. I like that as well. They bring in the experienced guy and Jaleel Taylor from UNC who's played a ton of football. I think they're going to be good up front. I think they have, like you mentioned before, a ton of good players, maybe not some emerging star that we're going to see at the end of the season being some all-conference, high-pedigree, high-caliber player. But I imagine with the experience and size they've added, they're going to get better at stopping the run, which they were not good at last year, and at least be able to maintain their pass rushing ability. But at the end of the day, the depth there is beautiful. We love what they have up front, but I think Jason Henderson being behind them makes their job a lot easier. So I think this unit has a ton of upside, a ton of depth, and I'm very curious to see how many different faces they can throw out there because when the fourth quarter comes around, you have a lot of fresh linemen, a lot of guys who can play a lot of snaps, almost better than having just a couple good defensive linemen. It's having a 
top to bottom unit that can play every single quarter for you. Kane, it's like we've done 100 plus episodes together because that was the perfect transition to talk about Jason Henderson. He was this Old Dominion linebacking core last year. He leads the nation in tackles. And if it wasn't for that injury against App State at the end of the season, he would have set the all time record for tackles in a season. It was an incredible year. He's still around this season, but guys like Ryan Henry, Stephen Williams, who split time at that other starting linebacker spot, they're both gone. They'll also be without Robert Kennedy as well, who was kind of instrumental in that passing defense, kind of rotating through that linebacker role. They have their star back, though, and they also got Saeed Stevens from Duke. Caden, this unit is still led by the same bad man in Henderson. He's your defensive player of the year pick in the Sun Belt which means this group shouldn't see much of a drop-off ahead of this season. Yeah, so we all know about Jason Henderson, led the take nation in tackles, All-American, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But Coach Ronnie said in his interview with us that he wants him to have less tackles this season. And I just don't know if that's going to be the case. And it has a lot to do with this unit surrounding him. And it also has to do a lot with the loss of Rotarion Johnson, who ranks second on this team in tackles with 86. He had a ton. Him and Jason together combined for 25% of this team's tackles last season, which is not ideal. Now he's out of the picture. You talked about Ryan Henry and Steven Williams. Those are guys who both split time alongside Jason last season. They're both gone. EJ Green, who's yet to make a start for this team on this defense, at least, will play alongside him. Or Duke transfer Syed Stevens that you mentioned, who's experienced but just has one defensive start under his belt at Duke and played a lot of special teams similar to Green. So I think there's a lot of big question marks in this unit outside of Jason. Maybe it's going to be a kind of the same situation last year where people are splitting time. There's a high ceiling, high floor factor here. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be a very similar season for Jason Henderson, where as far as the linebacker position goes, there's a lot on his plate. and We're going to see a lot of high volume tackle games out of him yet again. Okay, and it was really interesting to hear Coach Ronnie talk about his wrestling background, and all I took from that is I am not running on the football field when Jason Henderson is there. He said, yeah, if he gets his hands on you, you're going down. This secondary, Caden, was decimated this offseason. Artarian Johnson, who is no longer with the team, he started 12 games and was the team's number two tackler. You lose both starting safeties in Trey Hawkins, uh, or both starting cornerbacks, rather. Trey Hawkins, who's now playing for your New York Giants, Cato, plus Tobias Harris, who had 11 pass breakups last year, is gone as well. You've got Terry Jones back, your number three tackler. Taj Rael returns. Uh, Lamarian James is kind of your top cornerback back, and he's appeared just in 13 career games. Uh, Sean Asbury, that was a name that Ricky Ronnie mentioned in this interview, who missed most of last season with an injury after transferring in from Boston College, is kind of expected to be a solid piece on that back end. Caden, you know as well as I do, you're losing three full-time starters and you've really had to lean into your depth pieces this year. Didn't bring in a lot of new pieces. Are you buying or selling this Old Dominion secondary? I think on paper, you just have to sell. There's huge losses. I know Coach said that there's he feels like this group is deeper, but they did get decimated. Use the perfect word for it. Rotarian Johnson, as we mentioned before, is a huge loss. It's just as a run support guy and a knockdown Safety for this team, you lose your two starting corners, one who's in the NFL as we speak, and the other one who had more pass breakups than the NFL guy and led the team with 11 last year. So it's just hard to look at those losses and see what this team gained and say that it's a net positive. Terry Jones returns at safety, which is huge, but there's 14 other safeties listed on this roster, which I don't know if that's the most in the conference, but it's going to be very tough to beat. I've never been in a safety room that big. Marion James is a proven returner, but he's not necessarily as proven of a cornerback, so he'll have to step up and prove it this year. And then Shakarian Lathan returns after an injury. He could pop this year, but similarly, they have 13 guys in that cornerback room too, so I think they, they the names they lost are worth mentioning. You have to 
mention those guys and have to kind of respect what they did and what they left in the program. But I think there's potential all over the place with this unit. There's guys who can pop. They have so much depth and so much development. I think there's going to be a lot of stress on their position coaches as far as presenting and presenting this defense with guys who can play and play at limited limited snaps, big roles, small roles. They're going to have a lot of guys to work with. The question is going to be how many guys can be impact players with them. I could truly see this going good or bad. If they have four or five guys in each position group who pop, it could be one of the deeper secondaries in the unit. But if they didn't develop those guys behind some of those stars that we saw last year, it could be tough sledding for this secondary. So I think it's going to be a very boomer bust year. And just given the production they had last season, I would just have to lean towards the side of maybe seeing this being a unit that takes a step back. Kane, what's the normal size of one of those rooms on, on teams that you've played on? Is that seven, eight guys? Like t- pushing 10, maybe. I think my freshman year, we brought in four safeties and there were still only 10 of us. So that was like a kind of a massive overhaul. But having 13 to 14 guys on each side of the ball, it's a ton of potential and a ton of guys. And it's clearly something that had a point of emphasis in recruiting. But that's just a lot of guys to work with. That's a lot of competition. So it could be a good thing. But if those guys aren't popping and it's, it kind of gets stagnant in that room, it could be very bad. It's very contagious, I think, when you look at DBs and the energy in those rooms. I'd hate to be divvying up the playing time in, in one of those rooms. Well, Kane, let's talk schedule for this Old Dominion team. Uh, according to Las Vegas, they're currently sitting at three and a half wins uh, this season, the over-under. ODU is in the third season under Ricky Ronnie's leadership. You had that six-win season in year number one. Then you fall off to just three wins a year ago. They open the season at Virginia Tech. That's a team that they beat uh, a year ago at home. Then they have three straight home games. You welcome Louisiana. You bring in Wake Forest out of the ACC. Then you bring in Texas A&M Commerce, a a recent uh, transition into this level. You're probably hoping to get two wins at best in that stretch. That might be challenging. The last week of September, though, they travel to Marshall and then to Southern Miss to open October. You come off your bye to face App State, who comes up to Norfolk in week eight. They have the rivalry game at James Madison up next before popping back home to face Coastal Carolina. That's a team they beat last year. Kane, they're going to end the year with a trip to Liberty University, who's newly in Conference USA, another trip to Georgia Southern, and then a final home game against Georgia State, who you and I are both high on. That's how they end the regular season. Kane, you've got one of your toughest opponents at home. You've got some of them this year, but there just aren't many games where ODU is going to be favored on this schedule. It's going to be challenging to hit the over this season. Do you think they do it? I don't think so. I think it's going to be tough sledding for this unit. I think the only good news about this schedule is they have no weekday games. So every Saturday they know what to expect. There's no change in schedule. So that's a plus. But I think I'm going to use this to talk a little bit about the offensive line. We didn't talk about a ton on this episode either, but they got decimated this offseason and they were not very good last season. They lose their entire left side of their offensive line. They use Nick Salavadari to the, to the NFL draft. They only rushed for 100 yards three times last season. And I think when you take a step back in that department and you start the season off against a Virginia Tech, against a Louisiana, against a Wake Forest. I'm just worried about this offense getting going to start the year, given their personnel. I know they want to run this high-tempo offense, but a lot of that is predicated on giving your quarterback time and letting those routes develop down the field. And I think this offensive line specifically out of all the units on this team is going to have very tough sledding to start off this year. And it's going to be hard for this team to get some momentum. And then as soon as you might get that momentum against a team like Texas A&M Commerce, you have to go to Marshall and you have to go to Southern Miss who are staple teams that we know are going to have a great defensive lines this year. So I think just from the defense, from the offensive line back into the rest of the team, it's going to be very tough sledding for this team to start the season. And then when they get into their East schedule, it's going to be very tough as well. So I just do not see this team on paper, given what they've added and gained, and especially up front, just taking a, a massive step forward. I think it's it's going to be tough sledding for this team, like I mentioned. And I think a lot of that has to do with up front 
trying to break in a new streak scheme, trying to break in a new quarterback. It's just not a, not an ideal schedule and not an ideal situation to do that in this year. Could be another challenging season up in Norfolk. Maybe the offense turns around in a big way and they prove us wrong. But looking at the preseason before the season gets started on paper, this is an Old Dominion team that's probably looking at a similar record from last year. Well, that'll do it for our Old Dominion preview on the Freire and Smith podcast. A special thank you does go out to Old Dominion head coach Ricky Ronnie, as well as senior associate AD Eric Bohannon for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, here's a quick reminder. The Frary and Smith podcast, we're coming back on Wednesday. Caden, we will, or we are officially in game week. Football is just around the corner. Our season preview series makes its final stop in Jonesboro as we welcome Arkansas State head coach Butch Jones to talk about the Red Wolves' upcoming season. Well, before the season gets going, one final thing. If you enjoyed today's episode, here's what we're asking of you. Share this podcast with at least one of your friends ahead of the season. If each one of you do that, we're going to double our listenership of this podcast. Help us help you by continuing to grow this show. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.